Hi friends, I hope you're all ready to get up in the cool, by which I mean get transported to a magical fairyland, because this week, for episode 10, Deb Justice brought her hammered dulcimer. Deb has her PhD in ethnomusicology, so she's real nerdy about this stuff, which, as you should know by now, is very welcome on this show. Also, she is quite snarky, because she has to be. There's a social cost to playing hammered dulcimer in the old-time community, which I don't understand, because it's a captivating instrument, but I'll let her explain that in more detail. Stick around after the interview for details on how to support the show, and get access to this week's bonus track. Also, there is an accompanying video, so make sure to click on the link in the episode's description and share it on Facebook. Deb Justice, everybody, here comes. Thanks for being on the show, Deb Justice. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. Uh, we are at Black Creek Fiddlers Reunion 2016, uh, and we are in the middle of a field, uh, as far away from the other jams as we can get. I don't know if any of it's going to leak through, and uh, we have a small audience with my family and Jake, and uh, yeah, having a really good time, and uh you finally pulled Hammer Dulcimer out. 
And when you did, you said a very interesting thing. You said, I think that it's really great that you want to ha- feature a hammer dulcimer on your podcast instead of, I think you said, instead of putting it through a wood chipper or something to that effect. And I said, I'm really interested in having you explain that. <laughs> Save it for the podcast. Now's your time. Please explain that. <laughs> well, absolutely. And we are out here in the middle of a field and a dear old uh, friend of mine came out here because he saw me setting up in the middle of the field and he said, oh, so that's where they put the dulcimers now. (laughs) 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 And and then he said he was going over to jam with another person and I said, oh, would you want me to find you? And he had this look and he said, uh, and I said, well, maybe ask her what she thinks about dulcimers. They're a very controversial instrument in old-time music. Um, a lot of that has to do with some recent, by which I mean in the last like 30 years, recent tech improvements in them, um, things like putting a damper pedal on them so that the notes just don't ring. Because uh, then if they just ring, you don't hear chord changes. Right, right. So that's not very good. Right. Um, and also, really, the advent um, of electric tuners yes. is huge. Big deal. Really big deal. Because... Like, they're set up in a way such that you can relatively tune them, like if you just got an A from a fiddle or something. But if you were going to do that, that would take you just an obscenely long time. So just just to clarify for anybody who doesn't know what a hammer dulcimer is, because you don't just see them around, can you just explain, like, what is the instrument? Uh, how does it work? Uh, I don't know the history of it at all. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you could enlighten us a little bit. Sure. Well, it's actually the ancestor of the modern piano. Great. Um, the Makes idea sense. there being, if you think about a piano, it has little hammers right. attached to the keys. Right. So at some point, the dulcimer was existing before then, and somebody thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if I had a hammer per finger? Yeah. And that's really how we got the piano. Right. Um, Nobody really knows where the instrument originated. There's varying theories. There's not a ton of scholarship, but we think roughly like the year 600-ish in what's now Iran seems to be the most agreed upon lack of information theory. Um, Just because, so it's a trapezoidal box with uh, wire strings stretched across the top. It has bridges to keep the strings off of the trapezoidally shaped sound box. Um, It is a type of zither. It's a in the sax horn system of musical instruments. Wait, I never understood this because I thought zither was like a specific instrument and then I've also heard it describe all sorts of different... What does that mean? It's well, so a zither is just more or less a resonator box of strings. This is okay. a struck zither right. as opposed to a plucked zither. Right. Like a plucked zither would be like... Like an auto harp. An auto harp. Or a harpsichord. Or a harpsichord. Do the... Um, I've seen like different East Asian instruments heard people call those zithers right or those resonating box just meaning like it has some sort of sound chamber in it yeah i mean technically speaking a guitar is Is a zither with a neck type of thing right if you really really want to go into the like annals of ethnomusicological you know organology you seem to know a lot about (laughs) ethnomusic uh dr deb justice right so i do actually have my phd in ethnomusicology which is why i can really nerd out on some of these more like technical academic topics on this. Yeah, I did my master's thesis on dulcimers and the dulcimer culture on the East Coast and discovered a lot about the relationship that it does or doesn't have with old time music. Right. Which brings us back to uh, you told a story about 
Brandywine <laughs> before the revival. Something awful happened. Right. So this is really funny. I went last year on this super nice fiddler from Ithaca who didn't know that I play Hammer Dulcimer and a couple of people who did know. We were sitting around jamming, not with me on Dulcimer. I think I was playing banjo or something. And I don't know how we got on the topic, but again, he didn't know that I played. And he said something about like, oh my God, you know, 30 years ago when we had this festival, you know, <laughs> one time they had this thing where somebody had a dulcimer and it was just so bad. And I mean, it was kind of with the person's permission and they ended up burning it and just like desecrating this instrument. It was kind of with the person's permission. I don't they know. They were asking for it. I don't even know. I don't know. But then, he, you that know. That sounds pretty sketch to me. It, well, it, was, it ended up really funny, though, because he was like, yeah, these dulcimer players. And then I said, yeah, there's a lot of us around. Oh. <laughs> Which, I mean, he hadn't heard me play. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't. And that, I mean, that's true of any instrument, but dulcimer players particularly have a bad reputation of not following session etiquette. And then that goes across like Irish and old time and such. Yeah. Because you know? a, a lot of people in my experience learn to play the instrument, but they don't actually really love and go crazy about the surrounding music cultures. Interesting. But. Do you think in yeah. part that's because <laughs> this is getting like all these weird analogs. Do you think that's because your people have been marginalized by, <laughs> by the communities of traditional music? No, frankly, I think it's because my people have been too lazy to carry these big, huge instruments out. Fair, I mean, fair. getting this in tune, two years ago, I came to this festival and, and my tent had a leak and I woke up and the whole thing was like soaking wet. You know, stuff like that. It's just, you know, no one expects you to move a piano. Yeah. But with a dulcimer, it's so much easier to, like, stay at home and just play out of fake books or something like that. And it's just, you know, it's just a bad habit that a lot of dulcimer players don't have, but some of them do. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. And I think, too, I mean, I'm sitting here in front of a thing with 90 strings. Right. I mean, come on, if it's a little sharp or a little bit flat, I'm more inclined, like I just did here, to ask you to tune a little bit down. Yeah. Because you have five. Yeah. <laughs> that I constantly tune anyway. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I was I was surprised that you you the way you phrased it was like would you would you be willing to? <laughs> I was like yeah, of course. Well, but in in this situation, I, it's like I'm the lowest person on the hierarchical totem pole oh or whatever. God. Like, of course <laughs> I'm going to ask you if you want to tune. The same way we ask a fiddler what they want to play. Right. You know. That's just how it goes. Like, I, I play guitar yeah. a lot. I'm not going to pick a tune. But, right. I mean, depending, but normally I'll yield to the fiddler. I remember I, you know, in, uh, a few years ago, it wasn't that long ago. I haven't been playing old-time music for that long, but I went to the uh, went to one of the jams in my city, Philadelphia, and uh, I just, like, you know, I saw that people were calling out tunes. I didn't put it together that only fiddlers... And only like the grayest haired fiddlers, <laughs> the grayest, whitest uh, fiddlers were calling out tunes. And I just started like being like, you know, uh, let's play Angeline the Baker. I just learned that, you know, <laughs> and they were real sweet with me. But they were like, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe the next one. <laughs> we're not going to do that one right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so but there's uh, I guess more 
maybe some more chances for upward mobility and old in the old time clickishness and right yeah 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 it's interesting I was doing um I had a, I had a, a Jody mm-hmm. concertina player Jody Kreskel on and uh, basically we talked the whole time about the social cost of being a concertina player um, in old time music because he plays other stuff yeah but he uh, he is is very dedicated to only bringing concertina to old time jams and um, Ooh, just because it's what he likes to play okay and uh, I mean I, I don't know if he plays fiddle or anything but, but see even there as a hammer dulcimer player I'm like oh really a concertina okay <laughs> that's outside of your con- comfort zone see that yeah that does technically have less less of a place within the tradition it does actually yeah yeah the, I mean, I want to talk, right? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's pretty interesting. The uh, ultimately, it's like a very inclusive genre. It is. But it is, it and most its, most of the like, time, it's like if if people like the person, they're pretty flexible. But still, uh-huh. and and I will say, like as a dulcimer player. I'll always ask because uh-huh. some people just don't like it sure and that's cool that's fine like if you really want like a fiddle banjo sound yeah this is not that right. this is part of the broader tradition sure. of Appalachian folk music Oops. let's uh let's play a mic in the wilderness yeah let's get, do another tune um so I thought it was interesting that the link you sent of this was um Ken Kalodner yes. famous hammer dulcimer player playing this on fiddle right does he play it on hammer dulcimer he does actually i took lessons from ken for the longest time uh back like in high school and college he was my teacher people tell me i sound a lot like him uh which i'll take as a compliment yeah ken's great and yeah i learned this from him and what i'll say one thing about this um it really takes great advantage of the dulcimer uh, dulcimer god the dampers uh, which you'll hear. This particular instrument that I'm playing is a James Jones, but it's a James Jones from 1995. And this has a metal rod technology for the dampers, so you can hear them when I press the foot pedal. Yeah. Okay. So that's not great, that's not uh-huh. ideal. Um, but hey, let's own it. It's a percussive aspect. Sure. But you can hear the difference between when the notes are just ringing and when they're dampened. So it's like the pizzicato on a fiddle. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. on. And Pitts is like a prominent part in this like traditional fiddle tune. Right. Is why you're bringing it up. Exactly. You will not be hearing pizzicato fiddle, but you'll be hearing something vaguely similar to it <laughs> to capture the spirit of the tune when we play right. it right now. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I remember how it starts. Do you remember how it starts? Uh, yeah, it starts with... Right? Cool. 
awesome. Cool. Mike in, in the, the wilderness. wilderness. Uh, there's a story behind this, right? Story behind this tune? Really? Bach was telling me, uh, uh, for Bach is a future guest on the podcast, not the ghost of J.S. Bach. No, but this me. Bach is spectacular. Yeah. Yes, uh, Bach Bui mm-hmm. uh, was telling me, he, he said, a Civil War general, it was either a Union or Confederate general. This is, He literally said that. And I was like, oh, okay, good. Good to know. <laughs> One of the only two options. Great. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> This is how he told the story. Okay, American He's, Civil War. Good. Yeah, he said they were uh, um, his regiment uh, on both sides. They were trapped, so he abandoned his regiment and ran into the wilderness. His name was Mike, Mike. ostensibly. So Mike seems like a very... I didn't know that was like an old time That does <laughs> not seem like something that I've ever heard applied to a Civil War general, but hey, why not? Yeah. Sure. General Mike. General Mike. In, <laughs> in the wilderness. I don't know. I just always assumed it was like a dopey, like hipster hiker or something. You thought it was like a modern tune, maybe? Yeah, I really have no idea, though. Just because yeah. of the name Mike. That's the only reason. I have no idea. <laughs> I know nothing about where it comes from. Yeah. Besides from Ken. Yeah. Um, let's take a real quick break and get into uh, detuning. Yeah. And then we'll talk a little bit more and then play some detunes. Sounds great. Okay. Here we go. And when I say let's, I mean me. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm in D. You're in D. <laughs> um, I had a question. Oh, yeah. You were saying tuning yeah. tuning the dulcimer. Uh, someone, someone made a dulcimer joke when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> you said there's a lot of dulcimer tuning jokes. So many. Yeah. So many. Um, how long does it take to tune a hammer dulcimer? Same time as it takes to tune a banjo. You don't know because it's never been done. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I like, what's the difference between a hammer dulcimer and a mountain dulcimer? Hammer dulcimer slices more cheese per hour. <laughs> For those of you who can't see it, it does look like a very uh, legit industrial cheese slicer. <laughs> it does. Uh, to be fair, I have never actually sliced cheese on it, but I think it would do a Gouda job. Oh. <laughs> mm. Okay. Um. Okay, we'll stop. We'll stop now. <laughs> and scene. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, he the joke the joke he told was something you've I'm sure you've heard it. Uh, like, which oh, one burns longer? No, it was like, uh, um, something like if your uh, hammer dulcimer isn't how do you get a hammer dulcimer to sound good? Use a bigger hammer. Something like that. Well, okay, but you know, so last year at Brandywine, the festival that ostensibly, you know, had this incident some years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was camped uh, with Jake and David uh, Deacon from Syracuse and some other folks. And, um, you know, at Brandywine, they have that contest, a silly thing where yeah, the yeah. judges go around and award basically every campsite um, it's some unique kind of ribbon. And we won for the best use of a hammer dulcimer last year. Yeah. Because I had it out, but I was playing banjo. And the dulcimer was sitting there not being played. And so we won for the best use of a dulcimer. There's a lot of... That's a good one. There's a lot of baggage, you know? Um, can you can we talk about these hammers? I don't sure. know if you mentioned how these... You Earlier you were talking about the difference between 
the wooden side oh, yeah. and the dampened side. What's going on? Well, so I like to play with um, double-sided hammers. The one has some kind of soft leather on the one side or felt or, you know, some kind of cushy substance. And the other side is just wood. So if I play with the leather side, it sounds like this. And I'll play both of them with my damper pedal down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, please. Oops, sorry. <laughs> this is felt. Now, if I do that same thing just with the wood. So it's just a sharper attack, yeah. which sometimes a lot of people will say that they can't hear the dulcimer sometimes because right. the sound really comes off the soundboard towards the player. So sometimes I think I'm like playing it so loudly and yeah. people are going, huh? they can't right, hear. Right. Um, so sometimes I'll turn over the wood and use it, and also it's crispier on yeah. that. But with the dampers, the sound bleed isn't a problem. Now, a word about the dampers, I'll play the, both of those two things again yeah. without yes. the dampers. Well, first I'll just play something short with them, and then I'll play the same short thing without sure, them. Sure, sure. First, first the leather and then the uh, the wood, and you'll see why the damper is the best tech invention the Hammer's right. Dulcimer has seen in years. So, damped first. Here we go. So, it's all nice and harp-like, but if I start to do chord right. changes, it's just muddy. So, with the hammer, uh, the wood side... Example with like a chord change, sure. so we could hear it. And that's um, that's exactly what's really cool about American Hammer dulcimers is that their setup, the layout of the notes was designed so that it's really easy to back up one, four, five chord progressions yeah, yeah. in most of the normal fiddle tune keys. So like if we're here, I'll just do in the key of G. So. That's doing a very similar physical pattern yeah. for all of those notes, etc., etc. But if I do that without the dampers, you'll see what the problem is yeah, with yeah. a historical dulcimer. Right. Sounds like there's about to be a barroom brawl. <laughs> yeah, it's like just too much is going on yeah, at once, yeah. and so and that's only just chords. So that's really the problem is when you get a bunch of undamped instruments yeah. playing melodies yeah. quickly at once, it just tends to get really muddy really fast. Right, right. Let's uh, let's play Little Doe Run. Yeah. Or do you want to do the other one first? Oh, I don't care. Let's play Little Doe Run because you said it. it. Great. So this is a uh, Dave Landreth banjo tune but what's nice about dulcimers is they are kind of harp like so something with nice oozy lush chord changes yeah. is really pleasant so sometimes i'll let karen take the melody a little bit and i'll just do 
hopefully Uzi Lush Uzi Lush Core changes. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, really oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, that's really pretty. I don't know if I'd use the word oozy to describe. I mean, <laughs> I just keep making fun of you for that. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's awesome. It gets a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. It's fun to do different genres too. 
<clears throat> gosh yeah but it's fun to do different things I've played in a lot of different bands I've done like old ragtime things old 60s things it's just the the instrument can play anything it's fully chromatic yeah when <coughs> and comes with frog throat things oh I was gonna ask um you were talking about how how it's tuned and how it's set up could you go into that a little bit more it looks baffling how is it, how are the string how are the notes set up and how are they arranged are they arranged in like stepwise like like a scale are they arranged in fifths something um, else so it's it's really logical but it's really kind of hard to visualize if you're not looking at it sure because <clears throat> it has black and white notes but they don't correspond <coughs> to the black and white notes on a piano right so the way that it works is uh, there's two bridges on most dulcimers. Some of the lower notes are here on a third bridge, and I actually have a higher fourth bridge. Yeah. But let's say it's a standard instrument. You have two bridges, a right bridge and a left bridge. Right. And across the left bridge, the notes are a fifth, so it's the same string across the bridge. Yeah. So this, for example, is a G. And the same string, if I pluck it on the other side of the bridge, is going to be a D. Yeah. So it's just the tension on that one string. Huh. So the way then that you get a scale is you play up four on the right-hand side of this bridge. Yeah. And the exact same four notes on the left-hand side of the bridge. Tetrachords, the word for That's that. That's right. <laughs> So what that means is yeah. that scale was a G, so that means G, A, B, C natural. Yeah. So if I need a C sharp, it's not in this geographic area. You gotta jump somewhere else. So for I it. have to jump somewhere else for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So a C sharp is not actually that big of a deal in this layout, but for example, if I need like an E flat. Right. Or something, you know, in a more unrelated key. Yeah. That is profoundly inconvenient. Right. So you can, it's totally chromatic, but it's set up to play diatonically in any key, more or less. In any normal fiddle key. It's spectacular. I have two octaves, no problem, of G, of D, of A. Yeah. Do not bother me with E flat. Sure. Like any of that stuff, just no. E is not great. F is just only up in the very top of the instrument. Yeah. So it, it was really developed for, you know, Americana dance music. Right. You know, it was developed to accompany like square dances and hall dances and stuff like that. This particular type of struck zither, there are different ones around the world. Like there's a Chinese version, an Indian version, an Iraqi version, um, a really advanced German version, but they're all tuned differently. This one was developed for American folk music. Yeah. Awesome. Just for fun, can you like... Uh can you play just like up one line, just oh, so we can hear? Oh, up one bridge. Yeah, just like up one bridge on one side, so that we could just hear. Just for those who maybe didn't understand, <laughs> this is what it would sound like if you played it as if it were laid out, just like super straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, because kind of I went this. through the first half of my key of A, my key of D, my key of G, my key of C, right. but only the bottom tetrachord of those. Right. Tetra four, four yeah. notes. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, 
So that yeah, looks hard. <laughs> it's, well, it's the kind of thing that's actually really easy within those keys and it has right. uh, bridge markings. So I can take something like in G and I can just play the same pattern exactly in C or yeah, D yeah. or A because if it's in one of those convenient keys, it's really no problem to just pick it up and move it. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like how, I mean, I face similar things on, on banjo where there's like tremendous limitations. Right. But, you know, I can go like this all day. Well, I'm in the wrong key for that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like pentatonic yeah. all day long. And like uh, when my brother-in-law uh, came to Clifftop and brought his trumpet, uh, he was trying to play, you know, pentatonic sharp key yeah. tunes. And that instrument for as versatile as it is, could not keep up because it's <laughs> like meant for flat keys. Yeah. And in order to play, uh, in order to play pentatonic, he had to do mostly like partials and stuff like super fast bugle calls basically if i understand it right <laughs> yeah. which would be is just like basically impossible uh not impossible it's just really really hard yeah it's like not ideal it's like harder it seems like it was like harder than bebop you yeah know? just like less convenient so made me feel a little little better about like yeah this banjo has its place it has its territory it does. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would liken, like, you know, on a banjo, it's really easy. Like, you can play something in D or in C, you know, right? Because the tuning is the same. Yeah. You just slap a capo on it. That's, like, the same thing that I would right. do here right. to transpose between keys. You're playing the same physical pattern. Yeah. You're just moving it. Um, what do we have next? Stinson's? Yeah, Stinson's. So Stinson's is great. I learned this from uh, Rachel Eddy's playing. People play lots of different chords to it, but um, this one, it has actually a pretty similar chord structure to the little mm -hmm. doe run, which since the dulcimer does have a natural ring to it and you can dampen it, and that's really cool. You can do great percussive stuff. It's also nice to kind of let it ring and be very much more, you know, harp-like and use those chordal capacities. So that's something I like to do here. I like this chord progression. It's, you know, not rocket science, but it's very pleasing. Right on. Let's do it.
Right on. <laughs> uh, St- what, Stinson's number two? Yep. Great. Yeah, that's a real cool tune. Yeah. Thanks, good. Rachel Eddy. <laughs> right. I don't know where, where's that from. Ah, uh, Ostensi- you know, I, ostensibly I Stinson. I don't know. Sometimes I can be really bad about tracing down sources of tunes because I get so excited about them yeah. and where I got them that, you know, yes, it is important the whole background, but at the same yeah. time. Uh, I got a little peek behind the curtain. I gotta say, we did an awesome job at swatting mosquitoes yes, while we playing did. that tune. Oh man, we a- killed it, and we <laughs> swatted all the mosquitoes. Oh yeah, there there were a couple of yeah. alternate notes in there because a mosquito is totally biting my forehead. Yeah, yeah but we did a great job. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, let's uh, let's do let's do our final tune. But yeah, any like closing remarks oh yeah one thing that i was gonna say that is pretty cool you know for as much as all this whole rhetoric about the dulcimer not being so accepted in old-time music and such actually there are historical traditions of players and that's been one of the really coolest things of uh being able to do that master's thesis and just you know being part of the dulcimer community some of the stuff that i'm doing here comes from uh west virginia players from specific patterns that they do that then um some fiddlers have said oh well god that's like this kind of shuffle or that kind of shuffle yeah because like what i'm doing um and i'll be doing a lot of it actually in this next tune that we're doing but this doubling that instead of just playing a line like let me turn them over there you go yeah yeah. double like that or right so like in stinson's you know just different doubling patterns those are a lot I mean I could like go on in more than closing a discussion length but there's a lot of really cool historical dulcimer scholarship and such that if people are interested in you can dive into that and you can really you know follow just like you can try to sound like Tommy Gerald or whatever on your fiddle you can chase some of that stuff down and try to sound like a more historical version versus a more modern version of a dulcimer player right on yeah Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, let's play Sarah Armstrong's Let's tune. do it. All right.
Deb Justice has some pretty cool stuff to plug. If you're a Hammer Dulcimer player, you should check out Deb's book with Mel Bay, Middle Eastern Music for Hammer Dulcimer. I linked it in the description. If you're a publisher, Deb is looking to publish a Klezmer book. You can drop her a line at debrajustice.org slash contact. If you want to support the show, go to CameronDeWitt.com and click on the button that says Patreon. Find the amount that you're comfortable chipping in, and you will be rewarded with bonus tracks, MP3s, banjo tabs, and more. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Just a quick update, I've got enough episodes to release the show weekly through January. If you guys keep sharing the show with your friends and supporting it on Patreon, I'll keep making more. Thanks for liking old-time music as much as I do. I'll see you next week for more Get Up in the Cool.